What's up, this Shaq Bear, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the 21st episode of Season 2. Today, we are talking a wide receiver rankings dispute. A couple episodes ago, we did a running back rankings dispute, and I loved it. I thought it was a great episode. It's done really well with people listening to it. I've gotten nothing but good feedback, so why not bring a wide receiver rankings episode with a man that loves wide receivers just as much as I do, a man that we've talked wide receiver busts on this episode, breakouts, and everything in between. He is a co-owner of one of the biggest brands on all of Instagram for fantasy football with over 45,000 followers on Instagram with a couple new sponsors now. He is Dom Ruggs of Fantasy Football State of Mind. What's going on, Dom? What's up, Alex? I'm happy to be back here. And this message is to Joey. Uh, I listened to the podcast earlier today and you saying to Alex, like, don't let me on the podcast anymore. Well, I'm back. And I'm back like a day later. So uh, what does that tell you, Joey? That's just for you. So how you doing, Alex? <laughs> it's great to have you. It's great to have you, Don. Before <laughs> we get into this, I have to ask you a pretty critical question. Obviously, we're friends, but I think it's time we get into a very deep question um, before Uh-oh. we get into the podcast today. And that is simply, what is the best topping on pizza? What is your favorite topping? And cheese is not the answer. Okay, well, no, cheese is definitely not the answer because that just comes with it. Um I got to go like with ham or Canadian bacon. I, I do like that. Okay. Why is that? <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just like my, my taste, I guess. Like for my pizza, I do, uh, I do ham, I do pepperoni, and I do onion. And it's just a really nice concoction. So if you haven't done it yet, go ahead and try it. Interesting. Well, I'm probably going to lose listeners over this one, but my favorite kind of pizza is pineapple and bacon. And if I was on my deathbed, I would probably just choose pineapple. <laughs> I like pineapple more on pizza than I do in real life. Um, don't knock it till you try it. But if you've tried it and you don't like it, I don't blame you. I understand I'm a psychopath for this and I have accepted that. I do take medicine for it at least twice a week and it usually helps me deal with it. But I do like pineapple on pizza. How do you feel about that? Uh, what kind of medicine are you taking? Because I like pineapple on pizza too. And if it could uh, cure me, then I'm all for it. But <laughs> no, pineapple on pizza is great. Like it's pineapple is really good. And like, like a, like a grilled pineapple, on like a chicken sandwich, man, like pineapple is yeah. underrated. I, I really do like pineapple. No, I, I appreciate that. Well, the medicine is fantasy football and I can never get Ooh. enough of it. That is my drug of choice. Um, but the the one thing that, that is driving me with the speaking of drugs of choice, I think you're on drugs. <laughs> For having Devontae Adams still as your number one wide receiver in fantasy right now. I understand that. Okay, if you're saying that Aaron Rodgers is for sure coming back, Devontae is my number one guy. Okay, I understand. But by all indication right now, there is no signs of Aaron Rodgers coming back. And because of that, I have to rank him as my wide receiver three, where you have him as that you have him at one. And I'd rather take Tyreek Hill and Stefan Diggs over him just because of the safety. I mean, I still think that Devontae Adams is a surefire top three, top five wide receiver, even with Jordan Love. I know Rodgers could still come back, but right now it is not looking like that. Why do you have Devontae at your number one? Is it because of Rodgers? Yeah, I mean, you can't really see what I like to do with, you know, fantasy and my rankings and everything is like, I like to go with what we have in front of us. What we have in front of us is Aaron Rodgers is still under contract. He's still a Packer. And so that's what I'm going with right now. We, we see Rodgers do this almost every offseason, you know, he bitches and complains and then they pay him, you know, they just pay him off. And that's probably what they're going to do here again. So um, if anything changes, you know, absolutely. I'll move him down to, I think like five or something, 
Um, but I won't go any lower than that just because I do think he is, you know, one of the best receivers, you know, pretty close to all time. I know it's kind of like a hot take sort of thing, but I notice when like people are currently, you know, playing in the NFL or any sport, like if you say he's one of the best of all time, people just shun and hate you for it. And, you know, I don't really understand that, but anyway, I digress. So, okay. I'm mostly going under the assumption that Rogers is staying, which is why I said, and you know, he's consistently been a top three receiver for the past four, four to five years, you know, maybe even more than that. Um, I like that you met a value right now because of Rogers ambiguity, but that's not really what we're here for. This is like a straight up ranking. So he averaged uh, 18.5 um, points per game in 2017 when Brett Hundley was the quarterback, right? Like 18.5 points per game, you know, a long time ago, he wasn't even as good as he is now with Brett freaking Hundley. Like Jordan Love, like he's, people sleep on him. You know, if Rogers leaves, I wouldn't be so down on the offense because Jordan Love's a former first round pick. You know, you can't forget that. You know, he might not be as good as Rodgers is because, you know, he won't be. It's obvious. But, like, he's a former first-round pick. Like, let the dude have a chance. And even if he's not that great, like Brett Hundley is, um, Adams can still average, you know, close to 18.5 points per game. He did like he did in 17 with Hunt uh, and Hundley. So that's pretty much um, it with Adams. Um, I'm going to rank him in my top five, even if Rodgers leaves no matter what. I'll have him for sure behind. Huh? I agree with that. I agree with that. I think that'd okay. be fine to rank him in the top five. I would still have him as a top five receiver if Rodgers isn't there. But unlike other off seasons where you talk about paying them off, there is no sign that they're gonna he's gonna come back at this point. Um, Jay Glazer just went on the Pat McAfee show and he has a lot of knowledge about the situation. He said that Rodgers has not budged. He still wants out, which is more than we've heard ever before. He's had his issues with them, but he's never wanted to leave this bad or it seemed this bad by all accounts. He's not coming back, and that's the reason that I have Devonte at number three. Um, he would go right up back up to one if Rodgers is coming back. But the fact yeah, that it's absolutely. even a 50-50 chance right now that Rodgers comes back would make him downgrade because you don't want to have a 50-50 bet of not getting the guy. I'd rather take someone like Tyreek Hill that is still going to be the number one or number two no matter what happens. I'd rather take Oh, absolutely. Ty- so I think that's where like, I stand like, with that. But again. Yeah. No, I mean, and I don't disagree with that at all. It's just like, I guess, a different philosophy. It's like I need to wait for it to happen yep. before I can adjust my rankings. But just because that happens, like, that doesn't mean I'm taking, um, you know, Adams one right now. Like, I'm probably going to take him three behind uh, behind Hill and uh, and Biggs right now just because, you know, the ambiguity. And, like, you know, if he comes back, great. I get my one at three. But if he doesn't, then, you know, I, I still get my number five wide receiver at number three. So that's kind of like where I'm at with Adams right now. So I don't think we necessarily disagree here. It's just – we just have different philosophies when it comes to, you know, the Aaron Rodgers situation. Like you are, you know, thinking it happens and I'm just going to wait for it to happen. So I don't really think we're disagreeing here at all. Yep. No, I, I think that's fair. But I, I think one place we do disagree is Keenan Allen. Um, I love mm-hmm. Keenan Allen, the player. But I mean, I mean, he was like the wide receiver 14 last year, um, but he only played 14 games, 147 targets. I mean, 2019, he was the wide receiver eight and a half PPR, wide receiver 12 in 2018. And But I think the thing is, is like I just don't see where the room is to grow. The reason that I have guys like DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson, Michael Thomas, um, A.J. Brown, besides Michael Thomas, I think all the guys I listed below have room to grow. Whereas I feel like we've only seen Keenan Allen's ceiling at this point. And maybe you think that he has a higher ceiling with Justin Herbert. But I'd rather take the guys that have room to grow and all finished higher than Keenan Allen last year. Um, Keenan Allen also finished second in the NFL this year in targets per game, and he still wasn't a top 10 wide receiver. Um, so I just don't see how you could have him all the way up at six when he has never, ever finished even above eight in his in his career so far. So why do you have Keenan Allen at six considering that? 
Well, first of all, I don't think it's fair to say he that, that he didn't finish as, you know, a top 10 receiver, you know, and all the other guys did because Allen only did play like, what, what did you say? Like those 14 games or 10 games or whatever he had, like, and plus he played two of those injured and one of them he came out, you know, after like, what, like maybe two snaps of playing. So I don't think it's fair to say that when it comes to Allen. Um, I think you need to look at more like a points per game kind of basis with Allen, which is, you know, I, I think that's fair to ask. So he averaged 20.1 PPR points per game and the 10 healthy games he played with Herbert last year. Like, is that not enough upside? Like, are you not entertained gladiator reference? No, Uh, he never had a game below 10.9 points. He averaged 11.4 targets per game. And two of those games, he got 19 targets. He's as safe and as predictable as it gets. And that's very valuable in fantasy. And the only thing that's going to keep him from being, I think, you know, a top six to eight wide receiver this year is, you know, him getting hurt. Like when he's on the field, he's going to get those 11, 10 targets per game. And you can't really say that about many people in the league besides, you know, maybe Adams, Diggs, and uh, Deontay Johnson. Um, But, yeah, that's my main argument for Allen. Like, I think the upside is still there with Herbert because, you know, he was playing with Rivers his pretty much whole career, and especially, like, the last couple years when Rivers was on the decline. And Herbert's on the incline. And, you know, this was him with his rookie year. So, uh, and also, I do believe Keenan Allen finishes, like, a wide receiver three overall in, like, 2017 or 18. So he did have a finish higher than eight. Um, but that's my main argument for Allen is just like, you know what you're going to get and you're going to get a guy who averages 10 targets a game on an elite offense with an elite quarterback and he's an elite player. So uh, top six, I think, is very fair to put him. I know I'm one of the more bullish people on Allen this year, but I'm going to keep him here all offseason. It's going to make me budge. Well, you can go ahead and try, but <laughs> we'll, we'll just we'll see what you have to say about this. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that I mean, he was like, oh, he was eighth in um, points per game for full PPR. He was uh, 12th in points per game in half PPR. So I think I just don't see where the room is to grow. And that's points per game. That's not where he finished overall. And I think just the fact that at the end of the day, he besides that one year, unless he has that one year this year, I, I think that I just want to avoid him because I feel like he's just at we're drafting him at his ceiling right now, in my opinion. And I just feel like with guys like Metcalf, Jefferson, AJ Brown, and what Michael Thomas has done before, I just feel like they all have higher ceilings than Keenan Allen does. Um, and that's why I think I would avoid him at this point, but I think that's a fair point. But what about CeeDee Lamb? Go, I mean, well, I was going to keep going on Keenan yeah, Allen if you, if you want to do that. Um, so you said he averaged you know, eight. Uh, he was the eighth receiver in points per game last year. But did you include his game where he played 37% of the snaps in week 15, or did you not? Because if you did, he only got 2.7 points per game in there. You take that out, which I think is fair, because he only got three targets and played 30% of the snaps. Then you know he probably gets close, like a top five kind of guy. But that's, that's so. Um, well, but that's so subjective, though, because if you looked at the, it is if you looked at like the five or ten guys above him, there's probably at least one game for every other player where they played limited snaps. Those but do you think it's played. as low as thirty percent of the snaps, or do you think it's more like 70, 80, kind of like what Julio did some of those games? Or because I think Keenan is very similar to Deontay Deontay Johnson in that area. Okay, so but, but, and plus you can get him in the third round. Like I don't think that's very far at all. Like you're, he's going below all, all the guys that you mentioned. Like he's like a consensus like wide receiver is thirteen right now. Like that's just I don't think that's fair to him. I think he's so much better than that. I just think you're drafting him at your ceiling, and I think it's very subjective to say that, okay, well, he played 37% of the snaps in one game. Maybe he played 100 in all the in other games, and then other guys played 80% of the snaps. So the snaps overall won't make a huge difference at the end of the day. Um, I don't think it's a fair argument, but I see where you're coming from. I still think Keenan Allen's a great player, but I would definitely downgrade him a little bit in half PPR compared to PPR. But wide receiver six in PPR I don't think is awful. Um, but what about CeeDee Lamb? You have C.D. Lamb as your wide receiver 17. I have him as my wide receiver 14. 
And the biggest thing that I would say to you right now is how many how many games did Dak Prescott play last year? Four and a half or so. You would agree with that, correct? Well, according to you, he played a five full games. If we're going to oh, okay, do that with Keenan Allen, might as well do that we'll, with Dak. We'll, 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 play <laughs> Just five, we'll, we'll play five full games. Say five. Say Dak okay. played five. CD Lamb played eleven games without Dak. Uh-huh. Do you know where he finished overall, like in total for fantasy last year? Why did I do? Because set- I told you this. Oh yeah, sixteen. Sixteen, and you have uh-huh. him as your seventeen when he played eleven games without Dak. And Dak yep. obviously is an upgrade. So why on earth do you have him at seventeen below where he finished last year, going into his sophomore season where he's only going to get better after playing eleven games without Dak? Please okay, explain. First of all. I don't like the argument. People say this all the time on podcasts that I'm not on. I just want to scream because when people say, oh, he finished, you know, for example, as the wide receiver 16, but you're making him a 17, that's not fair, blah, blah, blah. Like, I get that because, you know, if you look at that on surface level, it's a good argument, but you need to go deeper. How many people, you know, uh, you know, wide receiver 16 or above in points per game actually miss time? Julio, Keenan Allen, like there's a lot of people that miss like a lot of time due to injury. And when we're projecting people for points, we're projecting all of them to play 16 games. So I don't think that's a very fair argument because we're saying, you know, if every single receiver in the league is healthy, I think uh, CD will finish at 17. And I don't think that's, you know, that far off. And this isn't a shot on Lamb as much as it is me liking guys over him who have proven to be top 15 guys year in and year out. Like Woods, Cup, Deontay, and Robinson. They're all just you know, those one, two, three, four spots above him. And those are all really good guys. Like, I think CeeDee Lamb, for me, is in a very safe, comfortable spot. And if you want to go for upside with Lamb over those guys, sure, I completely understand it. But in those first three to four rounds, like, I'm going more for safety than I am for upside because I want to shoot for upside later in the draft. So that's just my personal drafting philosophy. And I think he's inflated in the rankings, too, because people expect him to be the wide receiver one come season's end over Amari Cooper. But I just don't think that's true. I think he's going to be the slot guy like he was last year underneath Amari Cooper, which is great. Like wide receiver 17 is not a bad ranking for him. Like it's very fair. Like that's a middling wide receiver too. He's going to be very good for you. He's going to be safe for you because he's that, you know, PPR slot guy. I just don't think that I'm ready to put him over those guys we have seen it from. And if, you know, he gets that wide receiver 12-10, which I really think he could, then fine. Like, I'm going to, you know, just suck it up and deal with it. But I'm going to have Robert Woods, who finishes maybe a spot behind him. But I know for a fact he's going to finish there. So that's basically my main argument with CeeDee Lamb. I, I think that I still don't, like, I mean, fair. But, like, at the end of the day, that's where he finished because he was healthy. You can play – then we can play the health game with the injuries. Oh, well, these guys miss these games. So they might miss more games next year. But what year. is he in points per game? Like, that, that would – to me, be a more fair assessment of him. And if he is around that 17, 16, then sure, I'll admit I'm wrong. But, like, he's one of those guys who played almost every single game when there's other guys like Julio and Keenan who didn't, who played, you know, a better points per game than him. That's why I just don't think that's a fair argument. I mean, at the end of the day, that's fair. I mean, from what I have here, I only see three or four guys that are below him that had a higher points per game. I mean, he's probably around wide receiver 20 in points per game. So then I have a sense that you're (laughs) – at that sense you're – you're fair. I mean, that's fair, I guess. But I think at the end of the day, he's going to take a step forward. I mean, the athletic. Oh yeah, he could. I, I don't have sure. the. I don't have the name of the beat re- beat reporter. But in his in him watching OTAs, his five most impressive players, he said that CD Lamb was the most impressive player in all of Cowboys camp in OTAs. At the end of the day, and I think that he's absolutely going to take a step forward because he's still growing and he's still getting better. And I think the other thing that's important to know is that the Cowboys have a very difficult strength of schedule this year. And you have like, okay, how does that help for CD Lamb? Well, CD Lamb is playing in the slot at the end of the day. The slot is a whole different beast than the outside corners because strength of schedule traditionally is rated by their outside corners. And CD Lamb played over eighty-five percent of his snaps last year in the slot. 
And if he continues to do that when Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup are facing tough matchups, I think CeeDee Lamb's going to eat even more in the slot at the end of the day. And you can argue that if you want, but I think at the end of the day, if he was wide receiver 20 this year, I think he's going to take a big step forward in his sophomore season, as most good players do. And the fact that he's been the most impressive player in all of Cowboys camp right now. I mean, I don't think wide receiver 14 is ridiculous at all. I'm not saying you think it no, is. No, it's not. I just, think that, really not. I just think that I have him a little bit higher. And I think that he is a little bit more upside than someone like a Robert Woods that I have going after him or someone like that. Oh, absolutely. Cup, I, so. I completely agree with that. I, I think, do. But I think, again, it's just choosing where what we like. I'd rather go for a little bit more upside because I want to try to win my league where early rounds you might want to just not lose your draft in the early rounds. And I understand that. So I think that is a fair argument. But what I don't understand, and you have to convince me on this one, Dom, is Cooper Cup. Um, <laughs> Cooper Cup I have as my wide receiver 19 right now. Um, you have him at 15, but I think I'm I'm about ready to move him down a little bit. Why should I keep him up? Well, for Cup, he was a top five wide receiver with Goff just two years ago, scoring double-digit touchdowns. And uh, last year, he was a wide receiver 19 on just 15 games played, and he only scored three touchdowns. And that's because he had 92 receptions, and he had 94 the year before. So he's that target guy in the offense, you know, that underneath kind of guy you know, we're in the red zone kind of guy. So he's got his, um, he's got his role locked up and, you know, the state of the offense is going to be a lot better. And he's always been a high touchdown guy per game aside from last year. And with Matthew Stafford coming in town, I definitely see that there's going to be a spike in touchdowns, you know, at least the eight, eight and a half kind of range is what I put his over under at because he has been that guy. And last year was just kind of a fluky year, just like, you know, uh, we, we talked about Devontae Adams. He got 18 touchdowns. That's a fluky year. That's going to come down. So with Cup, I think it's definitely going to go up. And, you know, it's just me believing in, you know, the state of the offense and, you know, Matthew Stafford and, you know, just the consistency of, like, how good Cooper Cup has been. I think he's been one of the more underrated guys in the league. And um, so I don't think it's outlandish for me to have him as a low wide receiver, too. I think he definitely has the upside to be more. And last year when he finishes the wide receiver 19 with, you know, only 15 games played, not the whole 16 and only three touchdowns. Like, I think it's very fair to put him just a few, you know, ranks above that because, you know, wide receiver 19, if that's his floor with Jared Goff, then what's his floor with Matthew Stafford? Tell me, Alex, what's his floor with Matthew Stafford? Yeah, I don't know. And I don't, I honestly don't want to play the, the yards per target game where Stafford averages more and Cooper has Cooper Cup is a lower depth of target. I don't think it's a fair argument, so I'm not going to bother arguing that. But I mean, no, the thing that I, I, I would argue is the fact, just the touchdown thing. I mean, you said he's a high touchdown per game player, but I mean, in his rookie season in 2017, he had five touchdowns in 15 games, which is a touchdown every three games. I mean, that's okay. I don't think 2018 is fair. He had six touchdowns in eight games, but I don't think it's a big enough full season sample size. And wide receiver night, I mean, sorry, in 2019, I think is just ridiculous, unsustainable efficiency. He scored, oh, 10, sure. he scored 10 touchdowns. Do you know right, many, and that's why I don't you know, have him as a top on, five wide receiver. Do you know how many that Goff passed for that year? Probably pretty close, like 25 or something like that. 22. Cooper Cup 22. scored 45% of Jared Goff's touchdowns in 2019. And, like, I don't think that – like, he wasn't much better this year at the end of the day. I mean, he had 134 targets in 2019. He had 124 this year in one last game, so he'd probably be at about the same. He had 92 catches in 2019. He had 92 this year. And then it's three touchdowns versus 10, 10 touchdowns. I think Cooper Cup was insanely um, over-efficient um, for touchdowns, and I just feel like that the touchdown that he had scored and the reason that people have him high, I think it's just unsustainable. I mean, I think the wide receiver 19, like you said, where he finished right now um, last year is fair, and that's why I'd keep him here. 
but I just don't think I can move him up over guys that I like even more, like Brandon Ayuk, Deontay Johnson, Robert Woods, and then like C.D. Lynch right. and Amari Cooper. But again, I think sometimes you're just splitting hairs there, but that's why I don't like – I mean, I think I would have Cooper Cup a little bit lower than you do. I mean, I, I get that, but like, you know, like you say, you have him as the, what was it, wide receiver 19, and I'm going to reference that again. He finished that last year with Jared Goff with three touchdowns. Like, Matthew Stafford, he's going to throw more than that 25 touchdowns, I mean, that 22 touchdowns that uh, Goff did, you know, in 2019, and more than he did last year. Like, that's just me projecting forward like you did with Lamb. Lamb's going to yep. take a step up, and so I think Matthew Stafford in the offense is going to take a step up. Therefore, it's going to affect guys like Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, Robert Woods. So that's why I said, you know, I'm not going to project, you know, Cooper Cup for, you know, the wide receiver five finish like he did a couple of years ago. Like you said, you think it would be ridiculous for people to do that and for him yep. to keep up that efficiency, which he won't, which is why I have him as a middling wide receiver, too. So, I mean, I guess this is just a different, you know, philosophies. I don't think we're going to convince each other any other way with this. But I think I think we both made some good points. But for me, it's just the fact that his four last year in 15 games was the wide receiver 19 with three touchdowns. And this just comes to the fact that I think he's going to get more with Stafford and his offense to take a step up. Therefore, his ceiling is a little bit higher than it was last year. And ranking him at his uh, floor with Jared Goff you know, what you're doing right now is ranking him at his floor there, but with Matthew Stafford and with a touchdown efficiency, you know, increase going to happen this year. That's yeah. just my, what I have to say about that. Yeah. I mean, that's for Okay. But who do you have? High, like, do you have Amari Cooper higher? Than I have Cup? my rankings right here. Uh, you want me to read them off? No, no, do, do you, no. I'm just asking, do you have Amari Cooper higher than Cooper Cup? Amari Cooper is 12. Cup is 15. Okay. So we, that's the same. Um, CD Lamb's obviously different. Do you have Robert Woods over Cooper Cup? She is one spot lower because he's 16. Okay, that's fine. Okay, but the, the I have Robert Woods higher. Um, I think that's just splitting hairs. I think we can agree yeah, on sure. that. But the two guys I that, that I have ahead of Cooper Cup are Deontay Johnson and Brandon Ayuk. Um, I like Brandon Ayuk more. I mean, we'll get into him next. So we might as well hop into Brandon Ayuk, but I'll leave with Deontay first then. Deontay was the wide receiver seven from week six to 17 last year. Um, after those injury games, literally the wide receiver seven um, at the end of the day from week six to 17. And then Brandon Ayuk, was the wide receiver 14 last year in points per game, um, which is absolutely ridiculous. And again, like you talked to with Keenan Allen, if you project that over a full season, that's the wide receiver 14. Cooper Cup finished the 19. Ayuk was a rookie. He's just going to step up this year. Um, we'll get into all those arguments about him. But at the end of the day, um, I would rather those guys than Cooper Cup at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. And, and I have Deontay. Sorry to interrupt, but like before you continue to, you yeah. know, think I'm shitting on Deontay, I have him higher than Cup. Like Deontay's on wide receiver 14. Like I love Deontay. I'm probably yeah. higher than him than most people. So you're going to find no arguments when it comes to Deontay, you yeah. know, over Cup with me because I would agree with that. Yeah, I think that's fair. But let's get into Brandon yeah. Ayuk. So I have Brandon Sweet. Ayuk at 18. You have Brandon Ayuk at 22. Um, I just referenced the fact that. Brandon Ayuk last year was the wide receiver 14 in points per game, um, which is pretty ridiculous. And I think the thing that's the most ridiculous about it is that Jimmy G only played 60-plus percent of the snaps in two out of Ayuk's 12 games. And then the other 10 games he was playing with C.J. CJ Beathard and Nick Mullins, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, you know, you and I both love reception perception. Mm-hmm. And Ayuk was absolutely exceptional in reception perception. I'm not going to read all the numbers off because – People don't want to listen to that because I've already given it twice on the podcast. But I think this year the fact that he's going to get a full season of Trey Lance or a full season of Jimmy G after finishing last year as the wide receiver 14 in points per game. I get it. George Kittle's coming back, but he played six out of his 12 games with Kittle, six out of his 12 with Debo. Debo is absolutely awful. Don't even get me started about Debo. (laughs) I know that you don't like Debo. and We've talked about this before about how much Ayuk is better. 
But I don't think George Kittle is going to impact that enough. That's going to take away from Ayuk, especially when he's the wide receiver 14 in points per game last year as a rookie. Uh, why do you have Ayuk as 22? Well, we, we can think Debo is awful as much as we want because when you do look at reception perception, like mm-hmm. literally every single route except the short routes, like this screen game is red. Um, yeah. But it doesn't matter what we think. What we, what matters is what Kyle Shanahan does, and he's going to get Debo, you know, his underneath targets. Like you know, you you don't he doesn't have to be great. He's going to get his targets. But anyway, in my early 2021 analysis, I know we talked about this before. Brandon Ayuk's uh, fantasy projections. I ended up being quite low on him. He came out as a high-end wide receiver for them, for me. In week 7 to 15, Ayuk was the third highest scoring receiver on a points-per-game basis. And that span, his lowest weekly point total was 15, and that's absolutely insane, right? But during that time, Ayuk was, you know, used by pure necessity. So for week 7 to 15, Kittle and Deba both played just one full game, and then they both left another due to injury in the middle of one of those games. The 49ers quite literally had no other passing game options because Kendrick Bourne was often operating as the wide receiver too. Coming into 2021 with both Debo and Kittle healthy, which we should project because I think that's a fair thing to do, yep. it's tough to see Ayuk's consistency continue in my projections. Because in games with both Kittle and Debo active, Ayuk finished with just 7.3 points per game. But looking at Matt Harmon's reception perception, this is where, you know, after I looked at that, this is where it starts to change for me. Because like I said, he was a wide receiver three for me, but now he's a middle and wide receiver two. And by looking at that, like you said, he's a pure star. Like he really is. His success last year was not just even a necessity. His route success was among top five in the league. And as a rookie, the only players with, you know, that many green arrows in recent memory are Allen Robinson and Stephon Diggs. He's an elite company when it comes to route success. As crazy as it may seem, I wouldn't be surprised if Ayuk took over the lead pass-catching role from Kittle this season, but I don't think we can project that just yet. Kittle already runs routes with a surprisingly low amount of his snaps played, and the concerns I mentioned and you know earlier are still there. This isn't a high-volume volume passing offense. Kittle is still an elite tight end, and Debo will be involved no matter how bad we think he is. However, the pure talent of Ayuk can eventually take over and trump those concerns. As a conservative ranking, I now have him as like a middling wide receiver too, but he has a lot more upside than people in that range. As I can realistically see him finish as a middling wide receiver one. So I do look at it clearly. It's, you know, and he's going a lot later than he should in drafts right now, which is why I'm really, really liking, you know, taking him where he is. Um, but you can be the best. But the thing where it comes to me at the in the very, very end is why I can't rank him there or rank him higher is because you can be the best route runner in a league. But if you're not getting those eight plus targets a game, then what's it really for? Look at Diggs in Minnesota. He had a few really good years, but it was never close to his 2020 season like he did in Buffalo. And that's because he got all the targets he can handle. And I can't see Ayo getting those eight plus targets. And that's really what it comes down to, to for me. If he was getting those targets, I would absolutely rank him, you know, as probably a low wide receiver one. But I just I just can't see that happen in this offense. And that's the only reason why I don't have him as high as you do. Yeah, I think that the the passing volume thing is is a little bit overblown, especially when San Francisco was. I mean, he they were 16th last year um, in pass attempts, and that's with Debo and Kittle missing as many games as they did. I mean, they had 35.6 pass attempts per game, um, and even number two Dallas had 39 pass attempts per game. So I think they're just kind of. I mean, four pass attempts over a 16 game. That's 60, 64 extra pass attempts that Dallas had um, compared to the 49ers, which I think is a fair argument. But I think again. You can say it's a low-volume offense all anyone wants, but at the end of the day, they were top half of the league in pass attempts, and I think that Brandon Ayuk is only going to project forward. I think that's a fair argument, what you said, but at the end of the day, maybe I'm projecting forward too much because of reception perception and everything else you mentioned for the good reasons. Um, That's why I have Brandon Ayuk as high as I do. That's why I would happily take him over guys like – 
I mean, Chris Godwin, DJ Moore, Mike Evans, Tyler Lockett, Jamar Chase, all guys I have after them. I mean, I have mm-hmm. Cooper Cup one spot below Ayuk, so I think that there might be some drafts where I take Cup over Ayuk or Ayuk over Cup. So I think it's splitting hairs there, but I just much rather Ayuk over guys like Godwin, DJ Moore, Evans, Tyler Lockett, Jamar Chase, guys like that. So I think that's where I stand at the end of the day. You know, I could see that because I, I believe his upside is high, and that's why I'm not. I don't think we're too far off with each other on this one, despite what like the rankings say when it just comes to a philosophy. But like, I, I think that you know you're projecting forward, you know, in that way. But I think you also have to project forward in the way that Trey Lance is now the quarterback, and it's very possible that instead of checking down to maybe Debo or some of the running backs, he just takes off himself, so that passing volume might come down just a little bit. I think it's something to keep in mind. We we don't know if it's a guarantee, but I think it's definitely something you know you should just keep in the back of your mind. Yep, I think that's fair at the end of the day. So I'm going to agree to disagree, but I think those are fair fair points at least. So on to Julio Jones. Julio Jones are probably, I think, our biggest our biggest difference that we have today on the podcast. Um, so the reason that I have, I have Julio Jones at 12, you have Julio Jones at 19. The reason that I have Julio Jones at 12 is the fact that since 2015, Dom, 2015, and 2015, I was 15 years old. That is a long time. He has been the wide receiver eight or better every single year, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, I think the fact that he is joining this Titans offense, which is a lower pass volume offense, um, and they're definitely – I mean, they had 30.1 pass attempts per game last year, and I don't think that's very good, but I think with the addition of Julio, they're only going to pass more than that. But at the end of the day, he has no competition for targets after A.J. Brown. Um, the only competition are Anthony Ferkser, who had 53 targets, which is his most in three seasons, and Josh Reynolds, whose most targets in four seasons was 81, and three of his four seasons before that, he had 53 or less targets. I just feel like at the end of the day, Julio is not facing much competition for targets in this Titans offense. Julio Jones was still on pace for 1,394 yards last year. Um, if you extrapolate if, what he did play over a 16-game sample, I just feel like for a guy that's finished wide receiver eight or better every every year since 2015, I just feel like his floor is like a wide receiver one at the end of the day. He's done nothing but prove that in points per game, not in points per game, in every single year he's played. I just can't not have Julio Jones in my top 12 receivers. I'm, I'm, I'm appalled that you have him as low as 19. And look, like uh, everything you say, I'm going to completely agree with. And the trade broke my heart because you you know mm-hmm. I love Julio. My, my flag plant this year, you know, when we did this episode earlier in the it year, was. was me saying Julio Jones is going to finish as a top five overall receiver over Calvin Ridley. Like everything you say, it makes a ton of sense. And it's a, it's appalling that I have this low as well. And I probably do need to reevaluate it a little bit where the targets are going to come from. But the thing where it comes to me is that this is a lower passing offense. Like AJ Brown and Tannehill already have established chemistry. This offense runs through Derrick Henry. So as Julio is the one A one B receiver in this offense, like I, I I personally need to do a little bit more research on these targets and where they're coming from and project you know a little more pass attempts forward. Um, so I guarantee you, Julio is not going to end up finishing this low in my rankings. But the only reason I have him here at where I do is because I like, you know, the guaranteed volume and production of people that I have ahead of him, like more Lamb, Cup, Woods, and Deontay over him. Like, that's really the only reason why I have him here. And if I miss on Julio and he's another top five receiver, am I going to be surprised? Absolutely freaking not. But it's just the fact that I don't know how many targets he's going to get in this offense and if he's going to be the number one or two behind AJ Brown. So again, like I need to do a little bit more research on, you know, the past attempts and how many I actually can project Julio with. Um, 
But again, like I, I just hated this trade because I thought Julio was going to absolutely explode in Atlanta, and I don't think he can explode here. I think he'd be very good here. I think he could be a low-end wide receiver one. I just don't think he has the amazing tantalizing upside like he did when he was in Atlanta. And that that's the only reason. Like Everything you say, I'm not going to disagree with. I think it's still there. I mean, like I said, sure, the the Titans averaged 30 pass attempts per game last year, and I think we would both agree that's supposed to increase at least some with Julio. Yeah. But at the end of the day, A.J. Brown last year averaged 7.6 targets per game that he played in. Derrick Henry's never averaged two targets a game. So, like, in total, that's less than 10 targets per game, which means that by that average, there are 20 targets per game available to split between Julio and... Anthony Ferkser, Josh Reynolds. I mean, I think all the target upside is still there for Julio Jones at the end of the day, especially when A.J. Brown's only averaged 7.6 targets and 5.2 in his rookie year. Again, we talk a lot about project forward. A.J. Brown's just going to get better. Sure, that target. Let's say that increases to 10, and Derrick Henry averages 2. That's still 18 targets per game to go around for Julio and the other guys. And I think that at the end of the day, the fact that Julio has been wide receiver 8 or better every single year – they are going to find a way to get that man the ball. I think they had to be involved in some talks with Julio with what his role in this offense is going to be at the end of the day. A.J. Brown himself said that Julio can be the 1A to his 1B at the end of the day if he could get Julio. And I just feel like at the end of the day, it would just be a shame. I know you said he's going to end up higher in your rankings, but I think that that high at low should be wide receiver 12 where I have him because he's done nothing but produce since he's been on the field. Right, and I, I think, like, looking at my rankings now, like, with all the targets that are available, like you said, I, I need to do a little bit more of that research myself, but I can put him, I think, at wide receiver 15 right now as the absolute highest because I, I would rather have people like Deontay Robinson and Cooper over him, uh, um, Amari Cooper, just because we I know what they're going to get in the offense, and I can project it very, very clearly. And for Julio, like, I want to take a more of a conservative approach rather than, you know, you know, a liberal approach to it. So it's just difference, I guess, in philosophies. And I think what we're learning here is I'm a lot more, um, you know, going for a safer floor and conservative in my rankings. And like you like to project for a lot of upside and draft higher upside players, which is absolutely fine because I know we both are, you know, successful, you know, fantasy players. You know, we've been in a few leagues together. Um, so it's just a little bit of a differing philosophy. But again, with Julio, I'm never going to disagree with what anybody says, what you say, because it's all true. And I love Julio. It's just the fact that it's a different situation. We've never seen him play here before, and he's not going to get as many targets as he did in Atlanta. And that's the only reason why I have him here. So I, I hate my ranking on him. I really do. And it's going to be a shame because I don't think I'm going to have much of Julio this year. Um, but man, I, like, I can't really, I don't really have anything else to say here. It's just me being conservative with my rankings. Yeah, you know, you know what else? What other ranking I hate from yours? Adam <laughs> Thielen. That? Adam Thielen, man. I mean, Adam Thielen is driving me nuts right now. Um, Adam Thielen last year had 14 touchdowns on 74 catches. That is a touchdown dom. Every 5.28 catches, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. I think I don't like this offense because I just don't think there's a ton of upside there for Thielen at least. Um, especially when they averaged 32.2 pass attempts per game, which was 27th in the NFL last year. And after Justin Jefferson started to take a step forward last year, over Thielen's last 10 games, he had four or less catches in seven out of his last 10 games. He had five or less targets in six out of his last 10 games. And after clearing 80-plus yards in three out of the first five games of the year, his last 10 games after Justin Jefferson started to get good, he cleared 80 yards in just two out of his final 10 games. 
I mean, Thielen had his, I mean, a, like almost a, I mean, sorry, a three-year low of 108 total targets in 15 games last year. I just don't think there's a ton of upside for Thielen, especially when he's averaging seven targets per game last year and it's only going down at the end of the day. Um, I don't like Thielen's production right now. I think he's going to, the touchdown efficiency is going to have to go. He only had 74 catches last year. I just can't, I just can't draft Thielen because I just don't think there's a lot of upside unless Justin Jefferson gets hurt. I have done a lot of best ball drafts this season, and I don't think I have Thielen once. <laughs> so I'm, I'm with you. I don't like necessarily this ranking I have for Thielen, but for me, this is kind of the dead zone when it comes to wide receivers with, with guys I absolutely hate. When you know when it comes to Thielen and Tyler Lockett, like I don't like how they are this high, you know, in my rankings. Um, but again, at the end of the day, like Thielen, the reason why I do have him at 24 and he was like a top seven wide receiver last year. So this isn't me, you know, absolutely praising Thielen. I think this is just you being super, super low on him mm-hmm. and me being kind of in line with consensus. That's where I think it is. Um, so with Thielen, like you said, the touchdowns are absolutely going to come down. Like I agree with everything you said, but it's just the fact that Thielen is one of the best red zone threats in the entire game of football which is why I think he's going to end up with eight or nine touchdowns this year. And this is a very, you know, three-pronged attack in Minnesota with, you know, Cook, Thielen, and Jefferson. Thielen's still going to have his role in the red zone, I believe, which is why I think, you know, he's going to be this high when it just comes to touchdowns alone. Um, So he's going to be a very, uh, I think, boom-bust player this year. And, you know, only, the reason why I have him at 24 is just because of the touchdowns. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to take him as the 24th receiver. Like, I'm taking, you know, people like T. Higgins above him just because I think the upside there is a lot better. I'm taking probably, I don't know if I want to say this just yet, but I might be taking Antonio Brown a little bit higher than him too just because I like the target volume there better. So I, I agree with you here. And this is more just of me putting him this high just because I think he's going to score touchdowns. But that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to take him because I think he is going to be a boom bust guy like Lockett and you know someone like Josh Jacobs. I, I Dom, you know I love you, but like what you could have said just couldn't have been more ridiculous. You just said <laughs> that you're taking other guys above Thielen, even though Thielen's higher in your rankings. Then why is Thielen that high in the rankings if you're taking other guys over him every time? Well, because that's that's the thing. Rankings and projections are very different. Like you can put Thielen at 24 all you want, but you can take a guy higher than him because you like the upside better. So just because Thielen's a 24, it doesn't mean I'm necessarily taking him as a 24th wide receiver. Like if you want me to do my rankings based on where I would actually take people, I would make my rankings different, you know, cause those are more of, you know, just where you would take them instead of actually just ranking the players based on production. Like I like Tyler Lockett. He's like my 25th wide receiver right now or something like that. Cause like, I don't have him ranked in the show because he didn't have me do, you know, up to 25 receivers, but that doesn't mean I'm going to take him there just because I think he's going to score the touchdowns and get the yards at the end of the days. That doesn't mean like I'm going to like the actual production on a game to game basis. So, so it's 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 different. If you wanted me to put where I'm going to take people, Thielen wouldn't be in my top 24. He would probably be like 28, 29. So that, that's okay. the difference that's, I think we have. Okay, that's good to know. I thought rankings usually when people rank them, that's that's where people that's where people take their guys is where they have them ranked. I again. Yeah, I <laughs> think that's more of projections over rankings. And I think you know if you listen to the Fantasy Pros podcast, they kind of do this sometimes. Like like Mike Tyler, he's kind of like me, where you know the rankings are a little bit different than projections. Yeah. But projections and rankings are two different things. Projections are projections and I feel like rankings are where you're actually going to take people after projections. 
Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. I guess maybe I'm getting those two words a little bit confused here. But again, it's just coming down to the end of the day of like, this is where I think they're actually yeah. going to finish. Fair enough. That's the, fair enough. Fair enough. Again, just because oh, he finishes at 24, oh, that doesn't yeah. mean like he's going to be the yep. 24th most valuable guy. Because yep. I don't think he is. Yep, that's also a fair argument. Again, you just, you make me laugh and I appreciate you. <laughs> that's it at the end of the day. Um, the last one, I guess we're not as far off as we thought because we didn't, we only did rankings one through 24. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have here that I'm number 23 for Tyler Lockett. Um, and he's not on your list, but you said he would be like your 25. So let's yeah. just talk about Tyler Lockett a little bit because I actually wasn't on the Tyler Lockett train, but I've been, I've been convinced by my good friend, Josh Larkey, who is the director of Roto Underworld and player profile for their analytics department. Uh, shout out to Josh. Josh is fantastic. I would highly recommend giving him a follow. Um, I just did a podcast with him last week, and that is going to air this Tuesday. little shout out. But he actually convinced me on Tyler Lockett a bit. So Tyler Lockett right now is currently going as the wide receiver 24. Um, that's after finishing as the wide receiver 13 this year in 2020. Um, I know he scored six out of his 10 touchdowns in the last two games, but at the end of the day, in 2019, he was the wide receiver 18. In 2018, he was the wide receiver 17. And he still out-targeted DK Metcalf 132 to 129. And I don't think there's a real extra competition for targets at the end of the day. And the fact that you're getting 132 Russell Wilson targets, here's the thing. I know you're sitting there and you're probably listening. You're going, okay, well, he had all his production in a couple games. Well, how about the fact that he finishes the wide receiver 18 in 2019, the wide receiver 17 in 2018. Yes, last year's game against the Cardinals was ridiculous, and it completely turned his production, I mean, upside down. But at the end of the day, there's outlier years, and usually things go back to the average. And the fact that he has been a top 18 wide receiver, which shows his consistency, he's super consistent every single year, top 18 in the last three years. I think those numbers that we saw this year that were all over the place are going to even out this this at the end of the day because over the last three years he's done not, done nothing but be consistent. Sounds like you agree with that, Dom. I do, and this is kind of like what it comes down to. Like my argument with Thielen, like it, he's going to disappoint you in a lot of games, mm-hmm. and he's also going to make you happy in a lot of games, and that's just not the receiver like I want to take because if you look at like Mike Evans is you know career production like those numbers they look absolutely incredible right like when you look at it on a per year basis but you look at those on like a per game basis and fantasy is like you know it's a it's a game by game um you know game game it's not really like you know you play it by a year so yeah. like and, and then when you look at Mike Evans's actual per game production like it's a little spotty like a little spottier than most people which you know isn't really what I personally like for fantasy and that's kind of what, what I see with Tyrell Lockett so like he's going to finish probably higher than where I have him ranked or projected whatever you want to say Alex I know that was me kind of misconstruing my you know those two words a little bit but that doesn't necessarily mean I actually want to take him because I'm not like just with like feeling Lockett's a guy like I don't have many shares with you know, at all. So that's just kind of what it comes down to for me is like, I don't think I'm going to like the production as much as, you know, other people might want to chase. Yeah. I, I think that's a good argument. Honestly, I think that's, that's very fair. Um, especially with, again, that's why I have him ranked at 23 where he's finished at 18 or above the last three years, just because of the consistency. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that things are going to even out to a, to a point, but I think at the end of the day, I'd rather someone I'm just going to get, that's a little bit more consistent. That's why I have him dropped a little bit below where he's finished the last couple of years. 
Um, but I'm glad we're on the same page with that, especially after all these arguments. I mean, I it feels good. You know, like at the end of the day, you argue kind of like brothers, but at the end of the day, you give them a hug at the end of the day because you still appreciate each other. But exactly. Then, we're here to have conversations. Dom's going to convince me of a couple things. My rankings are going to change a little bit. His might change a little bit after this. That's the point of this. That's the point of fantasy football at the end of the day. You have conversations and you have to be changing things all the time because if you're so set in your ways, you're definitely doing something wrong because someone else all, always out, out there has another opinion or something that you can learn or add to your repertoire, another stat or something you didn't know. Um, but that is my rant on that. But Dom, I'm glad to finish on a positive note. And that is it. Those are all the guys that we have the biggest differences in with rankings. Everything else, we are pretty similar. And I think that a lot of times we agree on a lot of things at the end of the day. And I'm glad that when we can argue, we can have discussions about it. And I appreciate that. But in closing, is there anything that you're working on or anything you want to shout the listeners out or anything that you want people to know in general, whether it's how much you love me, that's fine too. Just anything. <laughs> I think it's very good we did this show because, you know, whenever we come on here, like what I always hear is like, I absolutely agree. And I think it's very good that we can actually have a show where we don't absolutely agree with each other. And, sure. you know, the listeners can, you know, see, you know, they're going to listen to, you know, both of our arguments and then they can make, you know, an informed decision for themselves on which they like better and adjust their rankings accordingly that way. So I think it's a very good constructive thing. But when it comes to me, uh, we're not really working on anything over at Fantasy Football State of Mind right now. We're kind of taking it a little bit easier in the off offseason. Um, we don't have our Patreon page up quite yet. But what we do have is a new sponsor with Underdog. And if you guys want to use the code FFMIND, that's F-F-M-I-N-D, all caps, no spaces, when you create a new account, uh, please go ahead and do that. When you deposit $10, if you use our code, you get $25 to match. So you get $35 in total for a $10 deposit. That's a pretty cool deal. You can join the Best Ball um, Millionaire Maker Contest for $25 and still have $10 left over to play around with. So if you guys want to do that, please go ahead and do that. I love it. I love that. Well, Dom, thank you so much at the end of the day for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure having you, and it's always a pleasure to have discussions, especially when we can argue and we're not just agreeing on everything. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm very thankful for you and everything that you've done in my career. I talked about this with Joey on a previous episode. Um, you were my, one of my first guests I ever had on the podcast. You are actually my third real guest ever. Um, and I appreciate you for giving me this platform and allowing me to get where I am today. So thank you so much for that. And for anyone listening, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. Um, please feel free to give me feedback or ratings, anything like that. It always helps so I can make this podcast the best that it can possibly be. And I hope at the end of the day that no matter what we're going through and anything going on in the world, that we're all just trying to get a little, a little bit better every single day.